Of the many different forms of NATA that we all face in our lives, research shows that loneliness is on the rise in Australia. We talk regularly on the show about the importance of building a neighbourhood around you, but can you still feel lonely with people around you? Do we really understand what loneliness is? We Are Lonely is a podcast that looks at loneliness and its impact on society through works of pop culture, with esteemed guests such as Matrix and Lord of the Rings actor Hugo Weaving and singer-songwriter Tash Sultana. Listen to We Are Lonely on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast today. I think when you're making big decisions, stay true to who you are and you know how you feel. You know at the heart of what you feel. You know the answers within yourself. It's your own race. You run it how fast you want and you do your own thing basically. And my family and friends, they're just like the most amazing people and I have a very good support network. So whenever I go to a big job, I'll just message them and tell them and they're so easy to talk to. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. If you follow me on social media as well as listening along, you might have noticed one Steve Geller popping up more and more recently. I literally met this beautiful human only a few weeks ago through our mutual friend Khan, who is now a regular on this show. But Steve's just one of those people whose warmth and genuineness wraps you up in a big hug of safety and calmness so that you just want to be around him as much as possible, which makes him the exact person I'd want by my side in an emergency. So luckily, for Melbourne at least, Steve's Parthier led him into paradise medicine. And you all know how long I've wanted to get a paramedic on the show. In fact, you might have even seen him already on Channel 9's series Paramedics, cruising around town just saving lives left, right and centre and keeping cool as a cucumber in the process. As always, a dive into the chapters before paramedicine reveals that Steve's Parthier started elsewhere, reminding us that it sometimes takes a little while to find your jam. I also loved being able to explore the nuts and bolts of a job we all know of, sometimes need, but often know little about in terms of the day-to-day. Steve is also a passionate dog mum, a lover of the dance floor, which we've shared more than a few times already, and my new BFF, who I can't rave enough about. I hope you love him as much as I do. Steve. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Honestly, when you asked me to do this, I was smiling on the inside and smiling on the outside. I was going to say you're smiling on the outside right now. <laughs> Literally. All the above. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me since we're in your house. Yeah, no, welcome. Welcome to my humble abode. It's so beautiful. It's just a, an absolutely beautiful haven that you've created for yourself. It's just years of things that I've collected and now it is my humble abode. I love that. It's my little sanctuary. <laughs> this is the first podcast that I've done in person in I think maybe over like two years. I feel so privileged and honoured. And it's, it's your first in my one. House. It's my fa- uh, yes, I'm losing my podcast virginity to you, Sarah. I, I feel privileged <laughs> and honoured. <laughs> You've welcomed me into your humble abode. I'm taking your virginity. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first person who said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, yes, yeah, such a privilege. We are, we've only known each other like what like a week 
maybe, maybe two, maybe two, maybe, maybe two, two weeks. Yeah. But the day I met you, and I met your mum on that day yeah, as well you did. at yeah, the pools. It all I happens at once. It's just straight to straight to virginity taking. I mean, uh, meeting the parents, the parents, zero to hero. But <laughs> I just felt straight away, like I don't know, there was something. I think I don't know. I just felt like we've we'd been friends for a long time. Uh, well, yeah, I, I meet some people. I'm like, you're an old soul, and yeah. I looked at you, and you were so lovely, so nice, and we spoke. And then after that, I've seen you again now, and well, at Pride the other day, and I was yeah. just like, you are so lovely and genuine, and you don't come by people like you very often. So I was very happy to be in your presence. So thank you. All <laughs> right, back at you, and then I got to meet your sister. So I feel it's a whole family affair. It's a full family it's affair. A full I think. Family affair. <laughs> And thanks to Khan. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to Khan. Shout out to Khan, our, yeah. I think, five-time guest now. He's been on the show a lot of times. Um, but he is a great bringer togetherer of he, all of the people. He is. He gets around. <laughs> he does, He does. Guy. He's like Southern Cross Station. He babe. is like Southern Cross Station. He's like a full – have you met Abby yet? No, I haven't. So her and I were talking on the show and yeah. we decided he's a launch pad. He launches conversations, he launches relationships, he launches ideas. Like we all just jump on the pad and like, yeah. Yeah, I like that concept. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be listening to this like, you need to fucking stop talking about me in every episode. <laughs> no, he will love this. He gets he some more airtime. <laughs> Shout out to Khan. He loves it. <laughs> but after we met and had our little moment of feeling like we known each other for a really long time and then I fell in love with your mom as well, I found out that you were a paramedic and people listening to the show will know that A, I find the emergency services so fascinating and really any career path that we all know of or have heard of in our life. But unless you have a friend or a family member or anyone in your network who's done that job, it's easy to just not forget, but just to to overlook the day-to-day of what that looks like. Like we all know that if you call triple O, a paramedic comes. Most of us don't know anything else about what you guys do. So I've been looking for a paramedic to have on the show for maybe two years. And when Khan said, he's a paramedic, I was like, oh my God, the show. I was like, is it too soon to propose and say, can I please have you on my show? But I'm so excited. It's never too soon. (laughs) And thank you. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because my friends, I don't think would have the insight if they didn't know me. Mm. And then they go on to share what I do to other people and that's how people find out there's a very there's only 5000 paramedics in Victoria so Really? Yeah, so it's not that many when you think of it. Yeah. Um so coming by one is like hard to find, I guess. Yeah, you're a unicorn. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I found one. (laughs) And not just one, but a television paramedic, which was even more exciting. Yes. (laughs) Look, yeah, I had a little stint on Channel 9 on paramedics with my best friend Em, which was actually so much fun. It looked so much fun. it was good. I got to do my job, got to teach the community about what we do a little bit, and I got to do it all with my best mates. Oh, that's amazing. It was fun. It was good. I can't wait to dive into all of that because I do think there are just so many jobs that we all rely on out in the community but we couldn't say what you do day to day also for anyone listening it's often hard to imagine what the pathway is until you've heard how you become a paramedic and I think the thing with representation of different jobs or any kind of facets of your identity whether it be gender or sexuality or race you know until you see until there's visibility of what you want to be or who you want to be, you often don't know that that's what you want to be until you've heard someone tell their story. So Yeah, legitimately. I mean, I never heard about paramedics. I didn't even know what they were until I got to uni, to be honest really? with you. Really? Yeah. 
That's even cooler. Yeah, like my mum is like strong as an ox and taught us to be strong as an ox. So whenever I broke anything, it was in the car and straight to hospital we go. Oh, my god! There was no ambulances called. I broke my elbow. Mum took me in the car. Broke my nose. Mum took me in the car. Oh, you broke a lot of things. Yeah, I did. Did I, you get a cast? I always wanted a cast at school. I did. I broke my hand and got a cast. Oh Again, my god. I walked myself to hospital <laughs> oh that time. Yeah. No triple O for no you. No triple zero for me. <laughs> oh, um, my God. But yeah, I think, and going back to like knowing about our profession, I think given the pandemic, it's Mm. put a very big spotlight onto emergency healthcare workers, basically. And I think our stories are being shared a lot more now. So it's becoming more common knowledge about what we do and how we do it, Mm. which is good. And it's sad that it took all this for this to come to fruition, but it's good that people get an understanding of what we do Mm. because it educates them on how to look after themselves at home also. Totally. And I think the more that people understand the system of triage and how overwhelmed the system is, it's like, I think it's easy to just assume you should call triple O straight away. And if there's a disaster, obviously you should. But I think there's a lot of different ways that you can get medical help as well that people don't necessarily know about that we can chat about too yeah totally there is and we can talk about that yeah <laughs> yes. but as you know as you've been so kindly listening to the podcast i walked in literally and steve had another episode on of the show which was so flattering it was amazing <laughs> but as you know i think one of the most interesting parts of this show is the ability to go back like because we have an hour rather than 30 seconds on instagram we get to actually go back to through all the chapters that make you who you are and often if someone walked into your life now they see you as a paramedic and they'd see you passionate about your job and making changes and knowing what your direction is. But it's easy to forget that most people didn't wake up with that level of direction or sense of self or sense of purpose. And it often takes lots of twists and turns to get there. So we start back in childhood and kind of work through the timeline of how Steve became Steve. So take us back. Look, I'll take you back. So look, it starts all off in a small country town called Maui. So I'm a country boy. You're from Maui? Yes. Oh my god. Moccasins on I was everyone. gonna say the moccasins. <laughs> yes. Born oh. and bred in Maui, I lived there for 18 years of my life. So, you yeah. You were a country boy till 18? Yeah, yeah, till no. 18. My, so my, my parents s- are still there. My family's from Bensdale. Oh, my, get we're out. Gippy, Gippy we're Gippy family. family. So, I've always known Maui and the Moccasins. Yeah, well, you would because it's part of the Gippsland family, even though it's like quite a significant distance away, but um, mm. it's still part of the Gippsland family. Yeah, yeah so, so I grew up in Maui. Maui boy, <laughs> wow. All right. Yes. So, that's where it all started, I guess. My parents are first generation. Aussie Greek. So, I grew up in a very Greek family. I could only speak Greek until I went to kindergarten where I started speaking English because no mum was convinced that um, we need to learn Greek before we learn English, which thanks mum for now because it's helped me so much yeah. in my old, old years. But yeah, so primary school, I was actually like the most introverted, very shy kid, believe really? it or not. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Yeah. Now I'm like the biggest extrovert known to mankind <laughs> and will talk to anyone and probably chew your ear off and you're probably like, please stop talking. I know. But you were like, I was like, shy? Really? Yeah. Introvert? I know. Please. <laughs> but no, yeah, so I was, um, I loved music and like dancing and singing and then I, once I got to high school, sort of puberty hit and then the focus changed and everyone plays sport in the country, as you know. So, I like dwelled into sport and found my people and found like a community within sport, which was like really fun. I'm super competitive, so I also loved that. Nice. (laughs) And then high school was lovely. I had a great experience, but obviously growing up and finding out about who you are Mm. 
was like the most difficult thing for me because I didn't know who I was and going through puberty and transitioning and all those hormones running wild. I was like, gosh, I don't know if I like girls. I don't know if I like boys. Oh, so you knew quite early. Yeah, I knew super early and I think I was around like 14 and then 15 I told my best friend about it and I didn't tell anyone else because I was frightened. I was scared of what people were going to think of me. I was worried about what my parents were going to say. It's just all that stuff that goes through your head. Mm. As a young gay kid growing up in the country, there was no other gay people around me except this one boy that was ridiculed for it. So that put me further back into the closet. So yeah, right it was, in the back, babe. All yeah, the way at the literally. Back. Thankfully, as soon as I moved to Melbourne after I graduated, I found my people here. And that's where things really took a turn for me. I I found self acceptance. I found self love. And I just flourished a lot more. I found out what I wanted to do because I started a university degree in sports and exercise science and I really didn't like it. Oh, that's interesting. I went on placement in my second year of that degree in the middle of Northern Territory, actually. I was volunteering in... Wow, I actually did read that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was volunteering in um, a community in... um, it was Kelkaringi and Dagaragu for this volunteer agency called Lynx. It was about linking the gap between um, Indigenous Australians and white Australians. Amazing. So I went into the community, met with a bit of hesitancy at the start because they were like, no, not another white person coming in, which is totally fair enough trying to change things. But I was just there teaching sport and rec. Yeah. By the end of the week, they're all handing me their kids and it was the most <laughs> enriching experience. And after that, I came back knowing what I wanted because I worked with a nurse there who was just doing basic first aid to the kids there. And I was like, I love what you do, but I don't want to be a nurse, so I'm going to go and study paramedicine. So oh that's how I got gosh. into it. Yeah, That is so interesting. It's my, my favourite part is figuring out at what point people discovered the thing that ended up becoming their profession or their job or their career path because it's never the straight line, I think, no that you way. assume it is. No. Like very, very few people, the vast minority of people wake up at five and go, I want to be a doctor and then do all the right subjects. Like most of us are just wading our way through figuring out teenagehood, which is just a mess. And then, you know. A raging hot mess. Raging hot. I think I'm a hot mess now, but I look back at teenage men and I'm like, whoa, I just can't believe I survived that phase. But then also there's so many layers. We all have, you know, if you have parents from a different heritage or a different generation, you know, things like sexuality are another layer of identity. So there's so much going on for all of us that I think it's so reassuring to hear that you didn't wake up one day and see a paramedic at four and go, I want to be that thing and then knew all your life. <laughs> no, definitely did not. Yeah, You actually had a, a false start with a degree that didn't end up Like, you know, it's, again, I think there's a lot of stigma around certain choices, which makes people feel really limited when rather they should be feeling like the options of the world are open to them. But I think not finishing a degree is something a lot of people wouldn't consider doing. They Mm -hmm. often try and push through because they think, well, I've committed now. But I love that you were like, this is not for me. Yeah. Like my parents were obviously like a huge push to finish the degree because mm. mum's like, I never quit anything that you start sort yeah. of thing. But I just was not enjoying it at all. And I was like, I don't want to go. And my grades were not that great. Mm. And then I found paramedicine, which was the total opposite. My grades were fantastic. I found learning so easy because I just knew what I wanted to do. And it just goes to show when you know, you apply yourself, you put in the hard work and you get results. 
Totally. And I think yeah. some people really judge themselves on their intellect or their performance or their abilities and think, oh, well, I'm bad at this, so I'm bad at everything. And I could never do this or I could never do that. But it's like if until you found that thing, you don't know what you're capable of. You've just never been put in the right outlet. And I yeah. think that's the same for a lot of kids who, you know, aren't academic mm. because they've never their type of intelligence has never been applied anywhere. They often and leave school not knowing you know, that, that they could be so creative and clever. We just put so much pressure on ourselves when we leave high school that yeah. we need to achieve this certain grade because this certain grade will get us into this certain degree and you might not even like it. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm yeah. just like you have to do the best with what you have at that point in time and try things, delve into things, and if you don't like it, there are so many options. And that's the thing. We have so many options in life, and I think you realise this as an adult because as a child you think there's only one option. Oh, and that you have to make a forever decision every yeah, time. and you have this catastrophic thinking that, you know, everything's <laughs> going to fail Especially when you're a drama queen like me. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> so many meltdowns. <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> Legitimately, though, um, had many a meltdowns yeah. during year 12. But, yeah, just put way too much pressure on ourselves to try and achieve the perfect dream that our parents want us to achieve. Yeah. But once you become an adult, you sort of realise everyone's in their own race, running their own race at their own speed. And if you're a turtle or if you're as fast as a leopard, I love turtles. <laughs> I know, my like, oh, sweet little turtles they at their own little cute pace. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, going back to that, it's your own race. You yeah. run it how fast you want and yeah. you do your own thing basically. And yeah. that's been my motto in life. I love that. I run my own race and I run it. <laughs> Cute little turtle Sometimes you like are. a turtle, yeah. Sometimes I run it like a leopard babe and there's no stop. But <laughs> It's a spectrum, right? Yeah, it is. Everything's a spectrum. Totally. I also think there's a quote that I, I say over and over, like the people listening are probably so bored of it, but it, it helps me every time that you don't have to stick with a mistake simply because of the time it took you to make it. So sometimes I feel like when you're in the middle of something, like you've done two and a half years of a degree or you've done four and a half years of a job, but you decide it's not for you, often people will stay in it because they feel like they've got to make it worth it or because the pressure that it looks like they've failed if they quit halfway through. And I think actually like life is too short to not just once you know, try something else. I know. And it's. I think a lot of people become pigeonholed. Mm. They're like, oh, the money's too good. The failures that are going to be seen by their friends and family, I'm going to look like a complete and utter idiot, whereas it's not like that <laughs> at all. Because no one cares enough, I don't think. Yeah, I, everyone's we, got their own stuff, right? I know. We set so high <laughs> expectations and we worry about so much about what other people think. Yeah. But everyone's running their own race. Yeah. yeah. So before we get to the pathway to paramedicine, because this is something I'm really interested yeah. in and like might follow you into paramedics because I'm fascinated by this area. <laughs> Career change. Come, girl. <laughs> we can go riding in the ambulance. <laughs> but with the, you know, that whole thing about oh, worrying yeah. about people's expectations, I think particularly when you're close with your family and I think often immigrant parents particularly have a very like a clear sense of wanting you to make the most of every opportunity that you have and also might be more conservative or, you know, if you, if you were brought up in a religious family, there's so many reasons why some of the decisions that you make as you become an adult sometimes might be hard to get your parents or your family on board. Did you find or do you have any tips for people who might be struggling to either come out or to break to their family that they don't want to finish this degree. You know, when you're getting pushback on something like that, but you know what's right for you, how did you navigate that How did I navigate? Thankfully, I had the most amazing friends and I would always lean in on them. I think when you're making big decisions, stay true to who you are and you know 
how you feel. You know at the heart of what you feel. You know the answers within yourself. Getting reassurance sometimes from people you care about and value their opinion from is extremely important in my life. Mm. That's how I got through leaving that degree and it was the best thing that I've ever done. I mean, at the time it was like something that was such a huge decision. It was like a big weight on my shoulders and the relief you feel when you leave something you know you're meant to leave is something amazing. With coming out, I I think the same rule really applies to that also. It's so sad that we have to do this, that people have to come out and hopefully the younger generation don't have to do this because it's such an awful process and we put so much pressure on ourselves on that as well, an expectation. But yeah, I think if you stay true and you know you're ready within yourself I think don't push yourself but there's never a right time to do it either so it's a really tricky one I think lean in on those people close enough to you and if you don't have someone to lean on there's heaps of services accessible for you to contact and I think that's really important knowing that you're not alone yeah absolutely yeah and I think I I can't even remember who I was having this conversation with maybe it was Francesca who you know was on last week about her family and her their expectations of what kind of career that she would have and sometimes you do until your family come around to you know whatever it is that you're doing that's a bit unconventional or a bit you know that they're a bit finding a bit challenging that you do lean on different people for different things at different times. It might not always be the person that you want it from straight away, but that's why we have lots of different people in our networks. We, yeah. Even in friendships, you yes, lean on friends for different things, different yeah. mentors for different things and, and in different chapters of your life. So I think that's important to build a broad support network. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Uh, the more people you have and the older you get, you'll realize which ones you call on for which certain things. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've got a crisis friend. I've got a party friend. I've got, I've got a hungover friend. Yeah, I've got the index, babe. I'll get it out and flick through. No, but yeah. We can share some. Yeah. That's exactly. Do you have a nail friend? Uh, yeah, she's down the road. No, Khan's your nail friend. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got him. We went and got our nails did last week. Oh, my God. We went to record this last week and Steve was like, I'm not home yet because Khan took me to get my nails done and it took like three hours but we didn't know that it was going to take three hours. I took one look at their nails and they both had like, I said to you, I thought, I looked at them I was like, you guys have like the Bible written on each individual <laughs> nail. No wonder it took three hours. It wasn't just a one plain colour. It was so intricate. You can't do that in an hour. <laughs> no, it was, it was fine artistry on my hands. Such well, fine my artistry. Nails, should I say. <laughs> and yeah, look, we both went in there with the intention that it was going to take an hour. Yeah. But it took nice. three hours. Yeah, nice. It was um, <laughs> it wasn't as relaxing as I thought because yeah. I had in the back of my mind that I was meeting up with you and Khan's like, don't worry, Sarah won't care. I know. He literally decided to push it back like unilaterally. Yeah. Except he didn't tell either of us. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you guys are doing that podcast later. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the classic him. Yeah, totally. Rob's on his own time. <laughs> so, okay, the pathway to paramedicine. How do you actually become a paramedic? What hoops do you have to jump through? Are there fitness tests? Like, how do you actually become a paramedic? Yeah, so from the start, so when you apply for the uni degree, you'll go through the same fitness test that you will go through once you finish the bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. So you go through a fitness test um, and just a general medical. It's quite easy. Um, <laughs> if you're so. a fit and healthy specimen, guys, Steve has an eight pack. <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes. Just putting it out there because this is an audio platform. I will send some accompanying photos that you can get a <laughs> reference, but you would have no problem with the fitness test. Yeah, well, look, I didn't have a problem with <laughs> the fitness She's blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> 
I'm getting really hot now. Yeah, real clammy, babe, real clammy. <laughs> Someone call the ambulance. Um, please. <laughs> yeah, so you do the three-year bachelor degree. Yeah. And once you graduate from the bachelor degree, you then apply for whichever service you want in Australia, or you can go to the UK, or you Oh, can, my gosh, it's transferable. Yeah, it's transferable in the UK, Canada. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. But so- Career options in certain other countries aren't that huge, mm-hmm. so it's not transferable in many places. But once you've applied for whatever agency you want to work for, then you'll have to go through their process of recruitment. For Ambulance Victoria, I had to do a behavioral interview, so with right. behavioral-based questions, I had to do a clinical component. Mm-hmm. Um, so go through several scenarios just to show that I'm clinically competent, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> stressful, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, it is stressful <laughs> yes. because you have to learn so much and so much rides on that interview. Wow. Um, and once you pass that, you get put on an order of merit. And you get put on the order of merit for a year. Okay. Up to a year. And when a job becomes available, you get offered the job in that year. But if you don't get offered a job in that year, you need to reapply afterwards. Okay. And then I got the job after a month, so I was very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) It can take up to a year, but it took a month for me. So, I just got in real quick. (laughs) I was super lucky. Someone was looking out for me in recruitment. So, thank you, HR. Oh, amazing. Um, So, yeah, I got in and then you have to do a graduate year. So Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's like four years all up to yeah, sort of- Yeah, four years all up to become a paramedic. And in your graduate year, when I did it, you had to sit like a panel type interview at the end with scenarios. But now the graduate program's changed and it's more of a module-based month-by-month thing okay. to get signed off and you get signed off by a clinical instructor on road. Wow. And that's the process. And then you become a fully qualified paramedic. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, I sometimes freak out about, you know, the process of work and like, oh, my God, I have to send an email today. And then I'm like, and elsewhere people are going out as a paramedic for the first time to an emergency that has time pressure. There's only two of them. Like (laughs) I laugh at myself when I'm like, my job's so stressful. And then I think about paramedics and I'm like, it's really, I'm really chill. I'm basically at a day spa all day, like compared to what you guys do. Look, I think it's, (laughs) yes, day spa vibes. But also I think it's all relative. Like that's what we know. That's what you know. But yes, it is a quite stressful job when you think about it. And I think it takes a certain type of person to be able to do the job. Yeah. Like it weeds out a lot of people out of the degree at the beginning. I remember we started with heaps the first yeah. year. By the end of second year, it was like half wow. of what started the degree. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you think, I think people coming straight out of high school doing such a heavy full-on degree straight away because you do placement from the first year onwards. Oh, so you're actually out and you about from You get insight from the start. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that shakes people to their core yeah because we live in little bubbles and we don't get to see the way the rest of society lives i have a lot of my friends were really naive before i started telling them stories about what i go to on road i just didn't believe stuff like that happened and it's a really big eye opener like it ages you very quickly because you realize how broad our community is and how diverse it is and how many people are struck by tragedy and at such like young ages as well Yeah. So, how does – I really want to get into also how you kind of safeguard your mental health against that because I often feel like even just the news cycle sometimes is so negative that you can't break away from it. So, with your job forcing you to see sometimes the worst of the worst, I think that's a a huge question for anyone who's working in industries like that. But before that, 
Can you just explain the structure of your job? Because I didn't even know until I was researching for this that you work four days on, four days off. You have a partner. Yeah. That you're, are you with them all the time? Do you ever rotate partners? Like how do your shifts work? You know, the stuff that we all take for granted that, you know, if we call up, there's going to be a paramedic and an ambulance is going to come. But I don't think anyone understands the mechanics of actually making that happen. Yeah. So we work on a four day on, four day off basis. So you do two 10 hour day shifts and then two 14 hour night shifts. Oh my God. And so then chill. you get four days off. So chill. <laughs> I'm so chill. So um, chilled out. And look, I don't, my skin is going to be haggard after all Your these Your skin years is so good. Shift. You're like, it aged me. I'm like, I don't see it. Well, that Mediterranean skin is doing good for you. Yeah, don't crack for a while. Yeah. Wait till I hit like 40. Yeah. Not some saggy old mess. No, you will not. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the basis of our job. So four days on, four days off, uh, which is really three and a half days off when you think about it because your last night shift sort of goes into your first day off and you sleep till like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And like I, I like the rotating roster because – during the week, you can get things actually done. Yeah. I've never actually worked a normal nine-to-five job in my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you don't have anything to compare it to when you're like nothing. out on shift work? No, I used to work at Village and then I worked at a hospital. A Village? Village Simulus. I love everyone's like first job when they're 13 and nine months or 14 and nine months or whatever it is when you can first start working. Yeah. It's like Gloria Jeans or like the local surf shop. Yeah, or like, like, <laughs> just we all have some random like weird part-time job that's like, oh, why did you choose that? I worked at Dick Smith. <laughs> Did you actually? Yes. Knew nothing about anything. I was like, I just read off the sign. I was oh. like, this computer's the C32 QRAM something something. <laughs> it's got uh, 12 gig of RAM. Yeah. I don't know what you do with it. Yeah, I don't know what RAM is, <laughs> but it's a lot of gigs. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, I guess then you've always been used to shift work so it wasn't like a big adjustment or was it still because I mean you sleep during the day that's so hard yeah I mean it is hard it is hard to get adjusted to shift work is a killer but I think it's something you always have to like revisit and navigate what works for you Mm -hmm. it took me about a year to finally get a solid plan in place about how I sleep before my night shifts and how I sort of like organize my life around it I think if you meal prep the day before you start your four days on yeah you're already at an advantage because coming home and cooking after those big shifts because we do a lot of incidental overtime. So if you get a job at 4.30 and you finish at 5, that will now take you maybe up to 6.30, 7pm at night. Is this the paperwork and everything after? Yeah, everything. People forget that, I think. Yeah, so every patient needs like a patient care record. So after every patient we visit, we've got to do paperwork for. So you can be working, like you can occur about like six hours of overtime a week. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. I am great in a mid-level emergency like or a logistical emergency. Like I can keep my cool. I'm very good at prioritizing, delegating. But when it's a health emergency, for some reason, suddenly I'm like the least dependable person, which is the opposite (laughs) of my personality. But I get super freaked out. Like even if someone's throwing up, like mild level just gastro, I'm like, like lose the plot. How do you stay calm? And particularly as a new paramedic, when it's all new, I feel like doctors often have a brief, they have some kind of picture of the situation that's coming in. And often, not all the time, but often the urgency isn't quite there as much as a paramedic is like, you've got like maybe 30 seconds to, you know, diagnose what you need to do. Like, how do you keep a cool head? Look, as a graduate, I was like a duck in water. (laughs) Yeah, with the feet paddling like 
psychotically <laughs> and then my head at the top just smiling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's like, how I, it I was. <laughs> yeah. I I'm mean, not stressed. It's fine. You're, no, you're not dying. <laughs> yeah. You're all good. Yeah. <laughs> Literally that. But I think over time you get so much better at knowing what you're doing and it's so methodical everything we do is very methodical and it's like a systematic approach so you don't miss things and once you get the grasp of that it's really hard to stray away from it and at the end of the day you study for three years you do the one-year graduate program where you have supervision so by the fourth year you're pretty consolidated in your clinical practice not to say that you're still not freaking out because sometimes you don't see a cardiac arrest for at least six months or sometimes you right of course don't even deliver a birth at all like i've only just nearly <gasps> birth did. deliveries oh yes. my god i forgot of course yeah legitimately <gasps> so some people go their whole career without delivering a baby have you delivered a baby oh my god very close to and i was sweating oh my god i was like gosh. i can't do this i can't do this and she was pushing in the back and we just got to the raw women's oh my gosh like nearly literally oh, yeah. nearly in your hands crowning oh yeah. my god that is so cool <laughs> it is like I wanted to say that I was able to do it, but also there's just a lot that can go wrong. Yes, in, the stress of that. Yeah, and responsibility. In birth. So if someone's in labour, it's like pedal to the metal. Let's yeah, get to let's the hospital. Get- <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. R- Rumour that I've heard. I actually heard it about police, but I feel like it would apply to if it's true. I feel like, do you have the light flicky things where you can make lights change? No. Oh, really? Yes. Do you just go through the red lights? Just go through the red lights. It, I mean, co- jobs get coded differently. So okay. only a code one or priority zero get lights and signs. Okay. Jobs can go up to a code three. So Okay. So you know when you're allowed to use them? Yeah. So it, there's, I mean, there's very strict rules around it. You're only allowed to use them for a priority zero or a code one job. Right. You cannot use them for anything else. And do you swap who's driving and who's in the back? Yeah. So you half a shift you'll treat and oh, the other half you'll drive. Shift. Yeah. Or you'll right. just do like job about. Like one will do one job, one will do the next. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. It just depends who you work with. Okay. So what are the things that you find the most fulfilling and the most like the bits you love? Like, for example, you know, getting a mum to the hospital and then seeing the baby. Or, you yeah. know, what are the things that you just the give you excitement. That give me excitement and that make me love this job and then some uh, is when you like effectively see your treatment give change to the patient. Say yeah. someone with anaphylaxis and anaphylaxis oh. is a very like quick changing condition. Same with asthma yeah. where a patient be- can become very critically unwell. So once we give our like treatment, our drugs, you can see such an improvement so quickly and you're like, I have all... Even a cardiac arrest, for instance, when you bring someone back to life. <gasps> wow. Yeah. It doesn't happen often or as often as people think because it's not all blood and guts or like deep trauma. Yeah. And no one's always going to like heart attacks straight away. But yeah, when you <laughs> yeah, see- Yeah, that's not like a yeah, no. bread and butter of what you do. <laughs> no, it's not the bread and butter of what we do. But when we do it and you see change and like see family- Yeah. Well, it's so nice when you get to a job and people's faces change from this shock to a relief. Yeah. And just knowing that they're putting all their trust in you, they don't even know us, then they see us and they're like, here you go, I trust you with everything. That's me. It's very rare. <laughs> Take everything. Yeah. I am not part of this anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to go rock back so and many forth people in that do corner. That. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and some people have done that. And I think that's an amazing thing. It's yeah. not very often where you can say you go to a job where someone instills so much trust in you as a complete stranger yeah. and then thanks you afterwards for yeah. Just doing your job. Wow. What would you say is the bread and butter? Like, is, would it surprise us the things that you see the most? Bread and butter is elderly falls. Huh? Wow. 
Someone's got road rage yeah. issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, chest pain, shortness of breath, wherever okay. that comes from. I would say are our bread and butter, the three main ones. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And you also mentioned before that you get to see people from all different kinds of backgrounds, like across a cross-section. Like there are some jobs that just give you access to people's stories that are so broad. Like do you actually get to chat with people? Yeah, a lot of the time once you've done all your medical and like questioning and history taking, you actually get to have decent conversations with people from literally every walk of life known to mankind. Like I said, we have this rare ability where we get to meet people from literally all walks of life in this job and – I'm like a sponge. Like I walk through someone's house <laughs> yep. and I can see two photos of a grandchild on the wall. Aww. And then I so I'll ask them, I'm like, oh, how old are your grandkids? And then they start dwelling into their past. And yeah. so many people have such enriching stories. And I've been in the back of the ambulance multiple times where these oldies, because I love the oldies. They just want to have a good old They want to have a good old, old chat. Bag. And they have <laughs> such like profound advice, like such good advice to give yeah. you. And it's always <laughs> one thing they always say is live life to the fullest. And if Every one of them is saying that. It clearly means that we must do those things. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's kind of morbid but also really inspiring in a backwards way. There's a book about the the regrets of the dying. Have you heard of that book? Yes, I have. Yeah, Yeah. and I feel like that's like – in a weird way, it kind of reminds you of your mortality, which sounds negative, but it's actually so positive that the messages that most people have on their deathbed – is the same and it's not the things that we really worry about now it's not our success it's not our like goal kicking it's spend time with your loved ones it's like don't waste this you know don't stop and waste the small moments all those things that you're like gosh well if they're all saying that then i should be listening correct yes 100 (laughs) if it's the same every time like universally this is what people are saying what's the common denominator (laughs) pick up on it get it into (laughs) my head We all face different forms of NATA in life, but research shows that loneliness is on the rise in Australia, with two in five Australians reporting feeling lonely in a typical week. We talk regularly on this podcast about the importance of building a neighbourhood around you, but does that necessarily combat loneliness? Can you still feel lonely even if you have good people around you? What actually is loneliness? Do we really understand it? We Are Lonely is a podcast that investigates loneliness and its impact on society through works of pop culture, with esteemed guests like Matrix and Lord of the Rings actor Hugo Weaving, Australian rapper Briggs, singer-songwriter Tash Sultana and Savage Gardens Darren Hayes and more. Hosted by Research Fellow at Melbourne University Dr Frederick Kiernan and former Triple J ABC and Spicks and Specs host Miff Warhurst, it's a fascinating listen to add to your list. Listen to We Are Lonely on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts today. Now, small content warning here because I love gory detail. Not everyone might. And you definitely don't share if you're not comfortable with it or if it's confidential. But what are the really hard things that you see or the hardest thing that you've experienced? The hardest thing that I find in this job is when you're met with abuse. Yeah. Or when you're dealing with family members after someone's passed away or someone's going through something extremely tragic. It's really nice to be able to be there for someone but it's also heartbreaking watching someone lose the love of their life that they've been married to for however many years that's heartbreaking but yeah that doesn't happen that often like i said before the abuse happens though daily wow yeah so there is a small 
portion of the community, whether they be drug affected or alcohol affected, whether it's mental health. Yeah. There is a lot of abuse towards us and it is rising. Yeah, towards everyone stuff. It was highlighted in the media a lot last year. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. But yeah, there is a zero tolerance policy now and it's actually a conviction. If you assault an emergency healthcare worker, 100% it should be because... I mean, you go to your job and you sit in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. You hope and pray that someone does not come in there and spit on you or punch you in the face. Like, no one deserves to go to work and feel unsafe. And I must admit, there are times where I do feel unsafe. But thankfully, with the help of police, I would never go into a scene that I don't feel safe or comfortable going into. Yeah. And it's even harder that you're not just there, you're there usually to help someone. Like it's not mm. like you're just a bystander who's walked in, rocked up and yeah. just like stealing stuff, you no, know. I know. You're there for altruistic reasons. So yeah. even more reason, I think, why. Like, yeah, especially over the last 12 to 8 to well, two years, two, more than two years yeah, now. How crazy. <laughs> emergency healthcare workers have really been hit harder than anyone and still continue to not really have that reprieve so people taking it out on them is just so unacceptable yeah i know there should be like i said before zero tolerance Mm. to anyone whether it be paramedics nurses doctors uh, pathologists anyone it shouldn't happen and you mentioned mental health in there how do you safeguard your own then the question that i kind of started talking about earlier because it's i think all of us are struggling particularly over the last few years to find balance or deal cope with the uncertainty but when your actual day-to-day job is trauma and challenge or even just because you're such an emotive like person who seems to empathize so much with people's stories and that you Mm. even see the grandchildren in the photos I can imagine it'd be hard to separate as well from like leave people after you've spent such an intimate moment with them and and leave that behind when you go home to sleep like how do you even sleep with all that how have you learned to kind of safeguard yourself from the get-go I was always told never to take the jobs home with you and I tend to not follow up if i on someone who's gone to hospital because sometimes the bigger picture you know it can help you clinically with your diagnosis and stuff like that however if someone passes away sometimes you just don't need to know those things because then it can become a bigger problem yeah but yeah my my mental health the way i look after it is i have certainty in knowing like if i exercise and come home and wind down after work my dog is the biggest saver i just love her she's outside sleeping i know she needs to make an appearance soon she's literally exhausted because i took her to the beach all day yesterday oh yeah she's had a good run around she's had a very very good good run around that little girl and my family and friends I yeah. lean in on them so much and they're just like the most amazing people and I have a very good support network. So whenever I go to a big job, I'll just message them and tell them and they're so easy to talk to. In my friendship group, I've got a psychologist. Amazing. Yeah, which so is great. handy. I know, so great. Everyone listening all get a psychologist friend. It's the yeah, best. Yeah, literally the <laughs> best. So she's great. But then also all my other friends are just amazing as well and my colleagues. Yeah. So you lean in on each other. Yeah. When things are tough, we're a good bunch of people and we stick together. Yeah. So I must admit, I just do that. But there's also peer support. We have a peer support network oh, and we actually amazing. have a well, a counselling network and a psychologist network that work pay for as well if you need those wow. services. Yeah. Oh, so, so there's good. plenty of support available, which is great because 
some people may have different coping mechanisms to me. So I can't mm. speak on behalf of every paramedic because yeah. some may not be okay. And given the last couple of years we've had, some people's mental resilience has been tested and I'm, I've seen it. I'm totally sure of it. It's been a very hard time in healthcare. Yeah. It does look like uh, Ambulance Vic has some wonderful things, like wonderful programs and seems like a really supportive workplace. And also the fact that they were at Pride March on the weekend. Yes. Yeah. How, how is it being a gay paramedic? Is that even a thing? Not at all. As soon as I joined, there was not even a question. Every yeah. partner that I worked with from younger people to older men in their 60s would ask, do you have a partner? So already their language was inclusive. It yeah. wasn't even saying, do you have a girlfriend? No one's ever even asked me that. Really? Yeah, legitimately. I don't know if it's because like in healthcare, you just see everyone from all walks of life. So yeah. you learn to respect people for who they are. Yeah. Not what you want them to be. So yeah. you just ask the polite questions and I, I literally have been a paramedic for six years now and never have I felt belittled, unsafe at work or anything to do with my sexuality. And yeah. That's so, it's fantastic. Thing. I know. And it's one thing to feel like you've got an inclusive environment, but another to see actual advocacy, like you wearing your uniform at these events and the actual organization going and being part of marches. Like, that's yeah. amazing. Like, our CEO was there. And oh, really? He's, yeah, he that's was awesome. Yeah. He's so supportive. And yeah, Ambulance Victoria is one of those organizations that thankfully recognizes that they are doing something, but there yeah. is also a lot more room for improvement. So yeah. they're not stopping now and saying, okay, that's enough. Tick. Yeah. yeah. They're not just ticking the boxes. They actually ask staff their own opinions and like they've got a diversity and inclusion council that I'm actually I was a part gonna, of. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it down. I was like, you're in on, yeah, the, the council. Yeah, the council. So yeah, it's um, chaired by our CEO and he Amazing. literally sits there and it's like a full honest chat about how, Ambulance Victoria can better serve the community we represent because that's the focus of our organization is the community because that's who we, ha they're our patients. That's mm -hmm. who we take care of. So he, Tony, our CEO, recognizes that there's a lot more to do and he is actually enacting change on that, which is good. And it makes me proud to work for an organization like that. Oh, which is good. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I know. It is great. <laughs> and <laughs> <Or> so soppy. <laughs> yeah. But it's amazing. It's it amazing great. to be excited about where you are and, and yeah, and feel like I, I think it's one thing to have organisations who say certain things but then to actually implement councils and, like, measures to actually – continually improve it's and not a box ticking people. exercise yeah I think yeah that's like the vulnerable people with disabilities yeah. not just it's not all about lgbtiq plus youth yeah. it falls under anything women in the workplace yeah. flexible work agreements for women who have just had babies are trying to return to work it's yeah. literally advocating for those small minority groups that don't get their voice so it's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, random question that I just thought of then. Yeah. Because it's such an intense job, is it a like burnout early kind of job? Like is it a career that doesn't last people, the you know, the distance that uh, say an office job might? Yeah. I, the burnout rate is fairly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It happens a lot. People yeah. burn out very quickly. Yeah. I think from the fatigue element, from the shift work on top with the mental health load that you have to take on. Yeah. And some people just realize it's not the job for them after starting it and thinking this is what I want to do. And then they get into the nitty gritty of it and it's a bit too much. But like any job, you have the choice to leave. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people do choose to leave and go on and do something else. But yeah, given the whole pandemic, I think a lot of paramedics have been burnt out by this, yeah. which is so sad because we... 
unfortunately you're losing like very skilled people and people who've been in the job for a while. Is there a a common kind of career path out of paramedicine if you've done, you know, in your younger years, your your time in, you know, out on the road and then you want to still use that kind of medical knowledge but transition to something or do people just kind of go everywhere? People kind of go everywhere. I, I think it's like a bridging pathway to other degrees. Oh, yeah. But there's nothing else you can really do with a paramedicine degree. It's either you be a paramedic and work in yeah. one of the states and you can't really change it up that much. <laughs> you're very pigeonholed. Yeah. It's like this is what you're doing now. You've yeah. made this choice, so stick with it, which is kind of hard when people want a career change. But there are so many options for other deployments within Ambulance Victoria. Like I worked in resourcing for a little bit. I team managed for a little bit. We've got referral service where you can take clinical calls over the phone for non-emergency events. So there are heaps of other avenues within Ambulance Victoria to help stop the burnout rate, to help keep people invigorated and wanting to keep doing this job. Yeah. I think one of the big things in generally in life, keeping people engaged and, and, you know, in the language of this podcast to keep them seizing their yay is that work is obviously quite consuming and it's a big part of your life, but that it's not the only part of your life, that you have something that's your passion outside of it that gives you complete distance and I call it, you know, your play TA, like the things you do that aren't necessarily productive, that don't necessarily relate in any way to what you do. It doesn't make you better at your job, but they're just to give you joy, to give you some space. So how do you play? How do I play? I mean, I am like my pie chart. Your pie chart. I love that. (laughs) Oh my god! See when people have that. Oh, pearl of wisdom. Taking that for life. My pie chart. My pie chart. Yeah. So my pie chart, I think, is like sixty. Part cheesecake. Sixty percent cheesecake. Oh, I'd go maybe ten percent cheesecake. I know. I love cheesecake, but there are so many other desserts. <laughs> There's a I love lot as well. of cheese There's in the too, cheesecake. Yeah, too many, too much. Got to protect the eight pack. Oh, no, well, the IBS is probably the issue. <laughs> oh, that's a it's big real. fat ATA. That yeah, is an that's ATA. An ATA. Yeah, oath to that. I can only have a little bit. <laughs> okay. um, Moderation. What else in my pie chart? I love making furniture out of limestone. <gasps> Homewares, should I say, not actual furniture. Yes, so I do that. so creative. I love it. So that's like my go-to. I literally start that and I go to like a happy place because I don't think of anything else because you're so focused on making something that you just – I put music on and I'm in my haven. I love the beach. I love the gym. I love my dog. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> yeah, and um, just spending time with family, friends, and I eat out far too much, but I just love food. There's no far too much, babe. I know. You, well, you're supporting local business. Yes. You're doing the right thing. I'm doing my part. You're being very selfless here. I am. This is such a great way to look at it. <laughs> It's all about perspective. Correct. It's how you look at things, not how they actually are. I just look, I'm holding up the small economy. Well, it's what I think. Yes, correct. Well, yeah. (laughs) So now when I go out for dinner, I'm going to think I'm supporting this business. I'm investing in Australia. Not my bank account has no money yet. (laughs) Not water savings. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, legitimately. But you've you've kept Australia going, is what I think. So. Thank you. <laughs> You're you a national hero. <laughs> yeah, you gave me that. pie chart. I give you, you know, mindset about spending on the local businesses. Yeah. Look, Doing my right mindset thing. has changed and my <laughs> mind is blown. I'm so, so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the fact that you're about to go on or you, you've just started six weeks of leave and I think a lot of us find time off is so important but the switch off from your productive self that has a purpose every day and that our identity is so wrapped up in what we do and our time. Titles like I'm a paramedic, I help.
help people. So then sometimes when you go on holiday, it's like, who am I? What is the future? What am I doing? Like, do you find it hard to switch off? And do you find it, you know, that you do have an identity outside of your work? Do you struggle when you're not being productive? You're like one of those jittery people who can't rest or do you like resting? Look, I can't sit still, but I don't get the jitters. I just have to <laughs> always be doing something, whether okay. it's be walking, whether it's be at the gym, whether it's be seeing someone or it's cleaning the house. I think I have OCD. Like I wipe the bench like 15,000 times a day. Oh my God, And there's nothing even on it. I know. No, that's so good. I'm like, can you talk to my husband about that? Look, I will (laughs) set up a meeting and I'll be like, this is how you clean. And I have to have certain products like- Oh my God, you're really thorough. Oh, bleach level. Like all, like especially in the bathrooms. Yeah, okay. Like people who wipe things with paper towel, like you need to be- like everything needs to be checked. Yeah, like the germs are still there, but they're still I there. Can see we them. need chemicals that are. We burning. need chemicals. <laughs> like <laughs> industrial <laughs> grade paramedic level cleaning. It's basically be crime safe scene services. <laughs> Correct. Watch out, body bag. It's like Dexter. Oh my god! Oh yeah. Okay. So, Play D Eight. Are you a TV watcher? Oh, do you read books? What are your favorite shows? Oh, okay. So. I do all the above. All of the above. I Amazing. love a self-help book. I'm like a big sucker for them. Oh, my God. You like love a self-help terribly. book. Yes. I just find them so easy to read and yeah. I, everyone can relate to them. That's yeah. what I love about them is the fact that everyone can relate to a self-help book. Yeah, it's because no we're matter, like, we're all really messed up. Yeah, we, we need all. these books. <laughs> Look, and if you're not messed up, you're clearly lying and it's a big facade. Or you're boring. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> And look, it takes all types of people to make up the world, but come on, please don't be boring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you gravitate towards in a self-help book? Are you like a negative self-talk? Are you a need to learn the work-life balance? Like what are the big trigger areas for you that you feel like? Because I really resonate towards burnout. I'm always the whole like unwrap your identity from your productivity. Like that's my kind of thing. And self-doubt, I think particularly as a woman, that's constantly the imposter syndrome of I don't deserve to be here. Why did I get this job? Oh, my God, it's all going to go. What are your kind of areas? Mine lately, I would say, is like my time management and taking on far too much and being a yes man. Oh, you're a yes man. I am a yes man. I say and I spread myself wafer thin to the point where I crack and then I just feel shit about myself because I have nothing left to give. So I end up spending far too much time with everyone and I try to do everything all at once and then it all comes crumbling down because then I don't have – because I burn myself out. So burnout's a huge one for me, definitely. And just like about the way people work and relationships, I find that very interesting in a Mm -hmm. self-help book. And what do I gravitate towards? I think that's pretty much it. Mm, that yeah. sounds actually really well adjusted. Well, well I try to be well adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> I think we always have room for improvement. You're always learning. That's my yeah. thing. And that's why I love reading them. Even if it's yeah. not a particular thing that I am looking at at that point in time, I think you learn so much from them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, the second last question in this who are you outside of work kind yes. of area is just three things about you that don't normally come up in conversation. Oh, three things about me that don't normally come And, like, up the weirder, the better. Like, IBS is one, but you already used that. Yeah, look, I have... Gassy. Yeah, babe, nice. from both ends. Love it. How gross. It. Oh, both I'm ends. So wow. Yeah, I know. I'm a babe, burper. No, I, I told you, overshare. Oh, you're a burper. Yes. That's better than the other way. I'm yeah, the other I'm way. <laughs> My poor husband. <laughs> That's why I need to avoid cheese and all dairy, okay. but I still eat it. Yeah, I mean, I you got to live a little. You have to. 
Cheese is so good. I'm just going to make sure no one's here yeah. after I eat it. Oh, you've got to time it. Yeah, correct. You've got a cheese schedule. Yeah, you've got to think about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. you got to work into your schedule. I know. Yeah. Um, I have tattoos. I have one, two, three, four tattoos. Mm-hmm. What are they? One on the left side of my Achilles, which is my mum and sister's birthday. <gasps> That's so yeah. sweet. I know Roman numerals. I have the same. Tacky. My brother, we have the same birthday and, one, and Roman numerals. We oh have God, matching I just ones. called your tattoo tacky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also call my own so tacky. So tacky. And I'm like, oh, me too. <laughs> I know. And then um, me Corny. and my sister. Yeah, literally. Me and my sister also got an evil eye tattoo on the back of oh. our Achilles. And I've got my grandfather's name who passed away from cancer. Oh, that's lovely. On my ribs. I mean, and not the, sorry, not know, the passing away, the dedication. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> Suddenly we're like, oh, wow, I need to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Choice of words, babe. Like, oh, good timing. Timing's everything. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's I, that's the second thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the third thing is. Do you have a middle name? Do you have no, pet peeves? I don't have a middle name. Really? At my pet peeves are people who are deeply arrogant. Okay, yeah. Like, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so much. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Yeah, fine I line. just cannot stand people who are so arrogant where they come into a room and belittle other people based on their own opinions. Yeah. I think everything, everyone's got something to say, everyone should be heard, but when I just hate arrogant people. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting that's my one. my pet peeve. And I yeah. can't believe you don't have a middle name. Yeah, I don't have, Greeks don't have middle names. Do they really it or not. not? Yeah, they don't. I thought Greeks have lots of middle names. No. Oh. Yeah. But are you named after a grandfather oh God, or an uncle yes. or a cousin or something? So, How many Steves are there? There's only two. Oh, wow. But there's three Michaels. Okay. Yeah. How many my, cons? Look, there's no cons. <laughs> no. If I was called Con, I'd... You'd change I'd, your yeah, name by default. I'd be taking mum to births, deaths and marriages. I'd be like, sign this woman right now <laughs> because my name is not Con. Um, but yeah, it. I'm glad I got Steve. Yeah, Steve's good. Oh, yeah. Well, it's actually Steven or Stereos in Greek. Oh, Stereos. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love it. One of my best friends is Greek and she'll always correct me like with the full name. Oh. She's getting married soon. Her husband just converted. Oh, so God. A big Greek wedding. Big Greek oh, wedding. My God. So excited. Get ready, honey. Shout out to you, Kat. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, Carabatos. Yes, Carabatos. Which yeah, always she's reminds. She's my Kukla. Is she? Oh, how sweet. I know. Kukla's doll for those playing at home. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, I could have just said anything. Yeah. <laughs> she's not like, hussy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Very, oh, actually. Yeah. Do you have marriage in your dreams of the future? Is that something that you want to do? Definitely. I want to have. You want to ha- have kids? I want to have kids. Oh. I want to have one or two kids. No more. Yeah, I wish that it was a bit easier for gay parents to have children here. I mean, my friend Foster's with his partner, Mm. which is also an option. You heard the dads that they were fostering recently. Yeah, which is fantastic. And I think there's so many kids that have displaced families. So Mm. helping out in the tiniest minute way that you can is fantastic. So I would love to do that eventually. I just need more time and I don't have time at the moment (laughs) to dedicate. So I think when I'm in like my middle 30s, I think I'll consider having children. And marriage. I'm 29. Are you not even 30? No. 
I just look over 30. I told no, you this shit for honey. You don't at all. I told you that Mediterranean skin. I was like, he's like 12. <laughs> How are you a paramedic already? <laughs> yeah, I'm only 29. What I'm are you going to do for your 30th? Look, I think maybe like a resort typey yeah, nice. thing. Yeah. Maybe Bali if we're allowed there. It's, it's reopened, hasn't it? I think so. Yeah, your tattoos will fit right in. I know, literally. I'll wear a bintang singlet. I'll have. Stop, you will not. I will not ever see you in a bintang singlet. Darling, I would not be caught dead in a bintang singlet. I know you wouldn't be caught dead in a bintang singlet. No way. I just will rip it off your back. No, no, no. Not happening here. My gays do not do that. No, we don't, babe. Literally, no gay would be caught dead in a bintang singlet. No, unless it was like. That's social suicide. Unless like Machino made like it into like a cool. You know how they do those like ironic tacky things turned fashion turned, yeah literally fashion high fashion yeah like bejazzle it with a glue gun <laughs> like bejazzle it with a glue gun no <laughs> I love how your gay side hasn't come out that flamboyantly at all in this conversation but at the end bejazzle with a glue gun look I'm happy to show you how it's done <laughs> I'm a master of the glue gun honestly are you I can, really yeah do you do the full costumes for Mardi Gras? All the time. Oh, my God. What's your favourite one being? Um, I need photographic evidence to accompany this also. What's my favourite one being? Like, I, how flamboyant do you go? Like, feathers? Yeah, I've, I've done feathers before. I've done, like, I painted my whole body red once and <laughs> went as a devil and dyed my hair bleach blonde. So, that's, like, you commitment to the cause. Yeah. Like peroxide, peroxide, like, like Bieber looking? Yeah, I didn't look like Bieber. Okay, I wish no. I did, but... <laughs> Do you really? It's Actually, like, no. He looks like, like a bit hobo of a child. Chic at the yeah, moment. I know. It is very hobo chic. Yeah. But, like, he's still kind of hot. He's pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He's so much younger than me that when, the minute that he went from, like, he's a 12 year old choir singer to, like, Calvin Klein ad, I was like, I can't cut. This has shook my on? world. Yeah. Legitimately. Like, why am I attracted to you? And, and you're gross and hobo chic looking, but I still, <laughs> like, there's still something that, like, what is there's it? There's still something that's there's tingling something, inside something. my body. There's something. <laughs> something like what is that about <laughs> i love it it's so weird okay well we definitely have to unearth those photos because i love that there's that side of you that's like do you do makeup no i'm terrible at makeup are I, you really i used to try and do my sister's makeup when i was a kid and she was like no i put a hairbrush in her hair once because i was trying to style her hair and it got caught in there and my mum had to cut all <gasps> her hair off oh my god i know You're she hated worst. me for it i was just trying to be a stylist and <laughs> look just a bit more of this babe. yeah i know literally <laughs> and you should have seen the makeup it looks like she tripped and fell in Mecca and just like collected everything. Oh, with her. all of the shades yeah, at once. All the shades at once. Yeah. That was fa- like that was fashion in the nineties though. Like yeah. all the colors, it the was, like blue eyeshadows. You I think know? I told myself that. Yeah. But in no. hindsight, like it wasn't that good. It wasn't good. No. Okay. Well, we know we know our strengths. That's yeah, good. And I stick to my strengths yeah, these good. days. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. I know my weaknesses. <laughs> what are your I'm weaknesses? aware of them. What there are, are lots of them. I'm sure there aren't that many. Cheesecake one, obviously. Yeah, look, cheesecakes, sweets are my weakness. Alan's lollies. Oh, my God, you and my husband are the same. Like, I could smash a bag in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Alan's lollies. (laughs) To be clear. (laughs) To be clear. I would not break for a lolly. You wouldn't? Wouldn't break for a lolly. I would. If you came here with them right now, I would, like, push you over and be like, give me those things. We have, like, kilogram bags, like the office works ones at all times. And Nick will eat the whole thing. I ate one yesterday morning. A bag or a lolly? Before 10 (laughs) a.m. The whole bag? The whole bag. Wow. I couldn't. Not if it was the last thing to eat. I just don't buy them anymore because it's, like... What else? Sweets. I love, like, pastries. Pastries. Like, puff pastry. Right. Yeah, like... 
I'm a killer Greek for pastry. Greek one, galakta Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, yes. Did I? I you did reverted. it. <laughs> you reverted. Whoa. I reverted. Whoa. I've gone Greek on you, babe. I know. I was like, oh my god, vre. Vre. I love that and baklava. Yeah, I love baklava. My yaya makes like the meanest baklava. I want a yaya. Oh look, they're the best. I have one who lives next door, and oh, every do Greek you? Easter she'll bring over like a whole the red farm eggs. worth of no, oh. the the barbecue. Oh my god! Like the yum. meat, like yeah. the meat trays. It's like she knows, and for years it was just whatever was left over. Yeah. Now I feel like she just puts extra on because she knows she's going to bring us a whole tray of stuff. It's so sweet. All they want to do is feed you. I know. Every time I go home to my grandma, <laughs> she's like, "You look skinny." <laughs> and you're I was like, like yeah. "I know, I'm trying." I know. Well, literally, thank you. But also, <laughs> I know why she says it because she wants to feed me yeah. a ridiculous amount of food, and yeah. I literally end up rolling out of her house. I don't think you could ever roll. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, look. <laughs> Your 2% not. body fat over there is not rolling anywhere, babe. <laughs> look, this is, thank God for genetics because what I eat sometimes, I don't really? know how it transcends to this. Like, I work hard at the gym. Yeah. Like, this, like, at this the end of the day. This body takes work. Oh, it does a lot of work. <laughs> especially how, how many times do you go to the gym? Like six to seven times a week. Six to seven. I know, but sometimes five. I change it up. Okay. It depends. Okay. It depends how exhausted I am. Like, last True. week I only went five days. Okay. But, like, Only. I know. But, like, I'll make up for it. Yeah. Like, on a day off and I'll work harder on the next session. Mm-hmm. I think, like, with exercise, people sometimes, like, overdo it or underdo it. I think it's finding what best works for you and makes you happy. If you're not happy doing it and it doesn't bring you joy, I don't know why people do it. Yeah. I mean, at the start, obviously, it's not going to bring you joy because it's hard. Yeah. Anything in life <laughs> is that hard is hard, hard does not bring you joy. And at the start, it always is. But yeah, <laughs> I've gotten to the point now where it's sort of just maintenance. So, I just go and I enjoy it. It's my me time. I put my headphones in. Yeah. I nice. blast some Beyonce and just get it Beyonce. done. I was going to say, what's your track? I go to SoundCloud and like play some Beyonce oh. mashup. The gets me through and it's nice. like some trap remix i listen to the same thing all the time it's like oh oh, oh my god you've got yeah. like the ring going yeah like this anyway it's great it's a good jam to get you pumped up amazing yes. yeah music makes all the difference it honestly does like i've got my playlist for cleaning the house oh. i've got a playlist for like feeling good i've got a playlist for like ready to go out i need a pump up yeah totally any playlist <laughs> you want just hit me up yeah i will i find that because i'm a nana these days like when i do go out which is very very rare, although it happened twice on this weekend and both times with Khan. I'm so he's proud of you. He's the common denominator. Babe, he's a demon. Demon. In, in relation to that, he and I were doing shots on Saturday night. I've never done so many tequila shots in my life. It was he's like, birthday. I'm not drinking. It was my birthday. But he's like, I'm not drinking. And then he's like, no, but I'm just are. not drinking alcohol like in a cup. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, <laughs> No, I'm just not drinking like actual alcohol, but I'm doing shots. I was like, calm, that's actual alcohol. That's actual al- That's in a cup. It's like, yeah, just shots. <laughs> it's, it's still drinking, babe. Yeah. <laughs> still drinking. <laughs> He's hilarious. God bless him. Oh, my God. I had so much fun at Puff Doof. It was the greatest. Well, not actual Puff Doof, but St. Kilda Bowls Club Puff Doof. On the lawn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, you were up there living the your best life. I was like life. DJing. Like Miss Thing DJing up there. Had, like, you were great. I was having the greatest time. <laughs> but I was like, I'm like literally in bed by 6.30 normally. Yeah. So I'm like, what am I doing up here? And then su- on a Sunday night, it's a school night. I was actually home by 6.30. Oh, well, there you go. I tea was- <laughs> in bed by like what, eight? It was ideal. It was like yeah. dance floor from like 1 p.m. to like 5.30 p.m. Yeah. And then just rolled on home and had an early night. I was like, why don't why don't all clubs start at 1.30 p.m.? I like day drinking because you can go to bed and you wake up normal the next day. Mm. And hydration is key when you get home. Hydration is key for the skin. 
And hydration is sexy because it makes your skin look nice. Hydration is sexy. <laughs> Paramedic Steve says hydration is sexy. H2O will get you. <laughs> <laughs> Very last question. Yes. What's your favourite quote? Oh, God. I would have to say a Dr. Seuss quote. I love Dr. Seuss. Because this is like pivotal to me in every facet of my life. Mm. It's the one where he said, be who you are because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. So, you know how- That's my favourite one. You know, I was talking to you. We were talking- Okay. I can't believe I didn't ask you about this. Steve was on Tumblr. He was like a blogger before blogging was a word that- normal people had in their vernacular on Tumblr, which was the original for anyone who's like born in the 2000s, um, who who doesn't know what Tumblr is. It was like social media before social media. My Tumblr bio was that quote. Are you, are you serious? Literally that quote. This is why we're soulmates after knowing each other for two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks of heaven. (gasps) Yeah. That was my Tumblr quote. Get out because that's like my favorite quote because it relates to me not knowing who I was Mm -hmm. and being afraid to say things and about my sexuality and coming out. And then when I did come out, it's seriously given me the biggest backbone. Being gay as a young kid gives you a backbone into society and you literally just do not give a shit about what other people think of you. And that's where I'm at in life now. And you live such a carefree life being unapologetically yourself. And that quote is what got me there. Such a good one. I can't believe that's your quote. That it's just makes quote. me I get like goosebumps about it. That's crazy. And also, yeah, just quickly before we yeah. do finish, because the blogging thing I forgot to mention. Yes. So, lol, tell us. Yeah, look, I was a bit of an emotional blogger. So, whenever something was like going on in my life, I would have a little bit of a blog and then it got a bit of traction. I know. It is cute. You had followers. Like, that's a big deal. Because back then there was 20,000 followers on Tumblr. What? I know. Get out. Back then there weren't, like, people didn't have followers. I know. Yeah. It was so funny because I used to use this daily boo thing. It was literally like Instagram, but on like a website URL. So, you used to upload a picture and you used to put your, like, a little description about what had happened on your day. And then everyone on there is like, oh, do you use Tumblr? So, then I started using Tumblr and blogging on there. And then that's where I started getting traction. So... But yeah, my Tumblr is now deleted because so no sad. one needs to see that. I really wish that we could go back and have a little reminisce. Oh God, I'm so glad we cannot go back and reminisce. <laughs> Something belong in the past. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of them. Babe. Yeah. That belongs in the vault. <gasps> oh my gosh! Well, thank you so much. This was absolutely delightful. I feel like we could keep talking for hours. We could, but we should probably cut ourselves off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing, and to many more years of being soulmates. Yes. Cheers to that, babe. Thank you so much for having me. You are actually the best and it's been such an honour to be on this thing. So, thank you so much. Seize the yay, babe. Yay! Yay! I hope you can tell why I adore this human and his mum and his sister. We've gone zero to hero real quick. If you enjoy the app, you know what to do. Take a screenshot, get sharing and tag at Steve Geller so we can shower him with love for giving his time to the neighbourhood. Gosh, there are so many neighbourhood heroes who spend their days in service of others, keeping a cool head in tough times while I get into flop about sending an email. To find out more, tune into Channel 9's Paramedics or shoot Steve a DM. Meanwhile, I'm in South Australia for two weeks exploring new neighbourhoods and stories. So A, hello lovely SA audience and B, our episodes are a bit more spread out while I'm away, but we'll be back to our regular programming with some very exciting new miniseries action coming soon. I hope you're all having an amazing week, keeping safe and well and are seizing your yay.